Welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the E podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller alongside Justin Cohn of the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. We've got a jam-packed show for you guys. Justin is going to speak one-on-one with Hunter Fedges of the Orlando Solar Bears. We'll go through our prospect of the week, as we always do, our team of the week, and then the usual coast-to-ghost with Justin Cohn and his news and notes. Justin, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Jacob? Doing good. Um, I kind of, I, you know, I owe you an apology. I, I forgot that I'm flying home today and uh, not tomorrow, which was a colossal embarrassment. And uh, so thank you for being a great teammate. But, you know, all things considered, I'm uh, I'm doing OK. I'm doing you know, okay. it's it's next man up, like they always say in the lockers, next man up. Wouldn't that insinuate that I would be demoted and, and <laughs> someone else would be hosting? I'm taking that well, as a jab. If you're going to be on a plane, you know. That's true, actually. A, a two-day talk could take place. Well, I'm happy you got to speak to Hunter. But before we get to that, let's dive into our usual segment, and the first of which is our prospect of the week. We're going to take it down to Idaho, where Owen Hedrick, defenseman on the Steelheads, having a really good start to the year, 23 points in 20 games. A player that, you know, he's on an AHL contract with the Texas Stars, and definitely one of the most winding paths um, you'll find the ECHL. What is it about Owen that has him being your prospect of the week this week? And tell us a bit about him as a player. Well, he kind of typifies those players that uh, I feel are really becoming prominent in the ECHL, which are the guys coming out of college. Uh, they're a little bit more seasoned. So when you're a rookie and you've played college hockey, uh, you've got more experience. You know, you're a little bit more savvy than the typical rookie or the rookies that we saw. 10 years ago, you know, it used to be the typical path was more juniors to the pros. And now players are taking advantage of a lot of opportunities to play in college. And he's one of those guys uh, played at the University of PEI. And he has just jumped in and been really strong from the outset. I mean, a guy that's really making an impact at both ends, but particularly at the offensive end right now. Is he so is he a guy where. Texas signed him as depth or do you think that he was sort of expected to be in their lineup right now? Well, I think, uh, I think Texas certainly has uh, its eyes on him. He was in camp uh, uh, with the AHL team there. So certainly he's a guy that's on their radar that can move up to the AHL. And with the way he's been playing, uh, I absolutely see that happening. I mean, just, just to put a little bit into perspective for you. So he's got seven goals and 22 points and a plus 12 rating in 19 games. He's on, I believe it's a 12-game point-scoring streak. Again, this is a rookie wow. fresh out of college. Um, so, you know, Idaho is off to a great start. And one thing that we're seeing, especially in the Western Conference, is a little bit of a power shift. Now, Idaho has always been a really good team, but right now they're, they're almost dominant. And you're seeing other teams like Cincinnati, Rapid City, um, Indy, uh, just teams that we're not necessarily used to being atop the conference uh, off to great starts right now. And when you're finding guys like Owen Hedrick, you know, that's certainly going to help you. So to talk about his play a little bit, uh, he's a guy that is really not afraid to pinch in. Uh, they had some, uh, some games last weekend at Worcester, which is a team that we've talked about on the show as being very good, a team to watch. And he just looked really comfortable, had a, a really beautiful goal where he – uh, pinched in into the right corner, beat a man, got the puck, uh, breaks to the slot, puts a backhand into the net as he's falling to the ice. I mean, just the type of play that you would see from a really skilled forward, not necessarily from a rookie defenseman. So plays like that are standing out. And what you're seeing is he's he's got a, 
a really good perception of when do I pinch in, when do I stick back. And with the rookies, they usually don't know that. They usually choose the incorrect times to be going uh, aggressively. And so far, he hasn't been doing that. So I like what he's doing right now. I remember last year, you know, Benjamin Finkelstein had 62 points in, you know, 36 games. Crazy numbers. I was always wondering why the Marlies weren't bringing him up, especially because he was on a very pricey AHL deal. But sometimes that kind of happens when you're in pro hockey and you're, a, you know, a high-octane offense defenseman, but you don't really pay attention to your own zone. Is that the case here we have of uh, of Hedrick? Like is, he, is he an offense entirely kind of guy, or, or is he someone that can man his own in his own end? No, I, I think he can play both ends of the ice. I mean, uh, so, you know, one thing to keep in mind with Idaho, they have other really good two-way defensemen. They have a guy named Matt Register. So if you have followed the ECHL for any length of time, Register has always, when he's in the league, been the guy on defense. He's a big guy. He puts up monster points, big shot, great on the power play. So to have a guy like Register, and there's another guy on there uh, named Patrick Kudla, who's also sort of that vein. But I think that opens things up for a guy like Hedrick because you have to pay so much attention to guys like Matt Register because you know their resume. And that has allowed some more opportunities for guys like Hedrick. And, um, you know, he's fourth, uh, I'm sorry, 14th in the ECHL in overall scoring right now. He's fourth among all rookies, again, as a defenseman. And he's second amongst all defensemen in scoring behind only Utah's Andrew Nielsen. So, again, just phenomenal numbers from from Hedrick. But to answer your question, no, absolutely. I do not see him as just a one-way player. What I'm seeing is him doing good things at both ends of the ice. And you have to do that for a team like Idaho to get off to the hot start of that that it has so far. It's crazy. He went from the NOJHL, which I believe is, I think, Tier 2 Junior A. I don't know if it's Junior B. I think it's Tier 2 Junior A. Went from there to playing two years at Lake Superior University. Then he left college to play for the Erie Otters. Had a little cup of coffee, four games with the Wheeling Nailers at the end of 17-18. And then took advantage of his education package and went to play for the University of Prince Edward Island for uh, parts of three seasons. And then, well, you know it, he gets another stint at pro as well. So he's definitely played at a lot of different levels, a lot of experience and a lot of exposure. So it makes sense that uh, Idaho has him the number one slot. Let's get to our team of the week uh, this week, and that is the Rapid City Rush, a.k.a. the Calgary Flames, um, and the prospects they have there. Rapid City, or more particularly Calgary, has had a lot of um, assets down there throughout the year. The first guy we'll get to is Rory Cairns, um, a guy that I think a lot of people were expecting to be in uh, Calgary. Sorry, I almost said Stockton. Calgary's AHL affiliate throughout the year. But they had in Rapid City you know, in an effort to play more minutes, um, be the guy there and whatnot. What do you? What have you seen from him so far to start the year? Well, he looks really good. I, he's not a guy that I would uh, uh, expect to stick down in the ECHL for the duration. And he's gone back and forth a little bit. A couple of their guys have, and and it has been interesting to see the way that Calgary has embraced the Rapid City Rush so far. I mean, we have seen not a ton of guys on NHL contracts, but at one point, I believe they had seven guys on AHL contracts, which is a pretty big number. And a little bit different uh, from what we're used to seeing in Rapid City. But, uh, you know, when it comes to Karens, um, he's got eight goals, 18 points in 16 games. So, obviously, really nice numbers. Uh, he's the sixth round pick of the Flames. So, they did make some investiture in him. But when you talk about his history as a playmaker, you go back and look and see what he did with the Sioux Greyhounds in the OHL 43 goals, 118 points, 
in 67 games. So we know he has that playmaking ability. And so far, he's shown it. Uh, that's a, a, a very good team in Rapid City. Uh, but they've been a little bit statistically spotty if you compare them to Idaho. Like Idaho is dominating the league in offense and defense. If you look at Rapid City's numbers, uh, they're a little bit more middle of the road when it comes to goal scoring and defense and special teams. Uh, so you need guys, the impact guys like Rory Karens to step up at the important times. And so far he's done that. And I, I, I always like it when a guy is able to move back and forth from the AHL to the ECHL and still remain productive because that's not always easy. You go up to the AHL, suddenly you go from playing on the first line to maybe being on a checking line. Then maybe you go back to the ECHL. Maybe your confidence isn't what it was. Maybe you're not happy to be back down there, but we haven't seen that with him. We've seen consistency with him, and you like seeing that from a young player. With Matthew Phillips up with the Flames and potentially more players being called up, um, it, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be surprising at all if Karen's would stay with the Wranglers um, for the you know better part of the rest of the year. 18 points in 16 games. He's had a lot of reps there, and, and I should have mentioned he came off a 118-point season with the Sioux Greyhounds last year. Pretty impressive point uh, totals. Now, another guy, a longtime pro who played the last uh, last year over in Europe for a bit, but that's Matthew Marcineau, a you know, legendary, uh, sorry, maybe not legendary, but a, a top-end uh, minor league defenseman over the last couple of years. He's been a big part of the success as well this year. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I've seen a lot through the years. He used to play in the Eastern Conference. And, uh, you know, a couple years ago, uh, you know, I thought he was looking really good. And he is just surpassing those numbers. I believe he's got 13 goals and 29 points in 22 games, something like that right now. Uh, so he's just uh, on pace to obliterate what he did with uh, the Indy Fuel, which was actually 23 goals and 48 points for the whole season. So He's on his, his way to just obliterating his, his career marks and um, second in the league in scoring right now behind only Newfoundland, Zach O'Brien, a guy that we know can put up big numbers. So what Matt's doing so far is, is really dynamic. He's uh, just a very opportunistic player offensively. He can be a goal scorer at big moments. Uh, he is reliable in his own end too. So uh, certainly like what I'm seeing from him, but there's also a lot of depth with that team and, and he's not doing it alone. Ilya Nikolaev, uh, he was recently called up, but interesting case there. Went from the USHL um, to the pro ranks, which is kind of rare, but it does happen sometimes with European guys that come over and maybe don't end up getting into call, uh, you know, going to college and whatnot. But he's an interesting player. He's on an NHL deal with the Calgary Flames. Um, what, what have you seen from him this year to start the year? Well, I mean, he's a third round pick, third round uh, NHL draft pick. So you certainly expect him to do some nice things. And so far he has. I mean, he's played 19 games. He's got 14 points, four goals. So what we're seeing is a little bit more of him just setting up some of these other guys. And, and like I said, Rapid City's got a, uh, a nice deep roster. So a guy like him, NHL draft pick, he doesn't have to come in and feel that he has to do it all. You know, that's why you bring in guys like Marcino or Alex Aliardi. Uh, guys who have done it, and and you just hope that these young players can grow, sort of learn from these more experienced guys, and you hope they turn into something. And obviously, as a third round pick, you know I don't expect him to be in the ECHL long. And you know, to your your comment about the USHL, we're seeing more of those players too. I mean, there is a lot of comfort right now in bringing guys from the US, USHL. Uh, it's not just major juniors right now. You know, they they are looking everywhere to try and find the talent for this level. I just always find it interesting when I see someone go from like the MHL or VHL in Russia to the USHL and then back to pro. 
that's where I always find it a little bit weird. You wouldn't expect um, the USHL to be used that way, but you're right. It's definitely um, emerging in terms of the amount of players um, that are go- jumping from the pros directly from there. Now, Calder Brooks is a guy that's been a good player in the ECHL for a while now, but obviously as you get older, these good ECHL players, AHL teams necessarily aren't inclined to bring them up out of necessity. Um, it's kind of the only way, but can Calder Brooks maybe be a guy that, that gets a bit more of a look than he's usually gotten. I kind of view him as sort of a fringe AHL, ECHL player. Uh, and I don't mean that as a knock. He's obviously a, a, a very good player. He's uh, also on pace for some career highs. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that he'll probably get some call-ups and, and be able to produce. But, you know, right now, I think his role is to really help Rapid City be successful, successful, excuse me, and also make sure he helps along some of these other guys on NHL, AHL deals. Absolutely. Now, uh, one more guy we should get to, Alex Aliardi. Um, he's someone that is obviously fresh off a Kelly Cup run with Florida last season, being a big part of Rapid City this year as well. What can you tell us about him? Well, I know I use this term a lot, but opportunistic. Uh, you know, he he was a guy that really stood out during the uh, the playoffs last year, especially in that finals against the Toledo Walleye. So he's a nice player, and you know, he was. I think it probably came down to a numbers game that Florida just couldn't hang on to everybody. And I, you know, he was one of those guys, well, where's he going to land? And so for him to go out West and, and be with a team that's off to a good start, I think that bodes well for him. And, and like I said, you know, really nice complimentary piece to a roster that's looking really strong right now. And you need guys like that. You know, I said, I think there were seven guys on AHL contracts. The double-edged sword with that is you can lose them at any time. Right. So you need, the, the nucleus, the ECHL guys like Aliardi to be uh, strong components, regardless of who else is in the lineup. And he has been that so far. Let's head over to Justin's news notes and quotes. Um, you know, all of that kind of stuff that we'd like to get to. And I usually let you take the lead there, but I want to ask you something first that I learned from none other than Justin Cone himself before the broadcast about something with one referee being the ECHL um, versus what I would think would be a two man system. Can you give us a bit of insight into what that really means and how they're able to do this and and stop the bench clearing brawls and whatever arises? (laughs) Well, I I get asked about this a lot, especially from people who are not, you know, in the ECHL in their daily lives. So the ECHL is still using a one referee system. Now they're working toward what all the leagues have worked toward, which is going to a two referee system. So this year, what they're doing during the regular season is you have, 25% of the games uh, have two referees. And this is actually something that I kind of lobbied for for years because for about a decade, they have been using two referees in the playoffs. And it makes sense, you know, uh, higher, uh, you know, you you get your better crews in the playoffs for the more important games. You hope that everything's going to be as top notch as it can be in terms of officiating in the playoffs. But it hasn't always worked that way. And here's why. So you're taking guys who have worked solo all year, and then you're suddenly putting them together, asking them to call the game the same way in the playoffs. And while I've always applauded the intention, it hasn't always worked that way because you have two guys that are just seeing two different things. I mean, I've seen it all the time. You see one guy who's calling things very um, stringently at one end, and then the other guy maybe at the other end is letting things go, and then the fans get upset. The coaches get upset. Nobody knows what's being called. And so the easy solution was let's try and get two referees during the regular season. But it's it's not that easy because of a couple of factors. 
first of all, you have to find good referees. And that's not easy. I mean, we know that finding officials these days in all sports is, is not easy for any number of reasons. There have been a lot of um, strong players who have been identified as good officials, and they've actually leapfrogged the ECHL. Yeah, so, you, yeah. Yeah, Justin Key is a great example. He's a guy that moved up very swiftly, and mm-hmm. everybody's feeling was kind of like, whoa, he was just playing in the ECHL. Why isn't he starting in the ECHL? And he kind of went straight to the AHL. In the NHL, there's a linesman named Kyle Flemington. He was playing in the ECHL not long ago. Another great example of a guy that, wow, it would have been great for the ECHL to get a guy like that and help groom him because we're developing refs too. Uh, But it hasn't happened because there's just a dearth of quality officials at all levels. And the other thing is money. You know, if you're going to go to two referees every game during the regular season, somebody's got to pay for it. And at this level, you're not talking about great finances. So I know it's a long-winded answer. But so what they're doing is they're trying to make a step toward that. So they're going to two referees, 25% of the games. It's been nice. And we've seen some interesting situations. Uh, I covered a game in Toledo last weekend. Logan Gruel, who is one of the officials, took a puck to the face. He was not able to come back, broken nose, blood all over the ice. So luckily for them, they still had the other referee who was named Tetu Kuntu. Uh, He was able to call the game. He's used to calling the game as the single ref. Uh, But you still do get these strange situations. Earlier in the season, I saw something similar. They had one referee. He got injured, had to leave. And so now you're calling the game with two linesmen. And just in case you're wondering how that works. A lot of offsides. Well, they don't. There is a two referee system. So like when I used to referee games at, you know, at the youth level, bantam level, stuff like that, you, you might work a two referee system. But they actually don't do that. What they do is they assign the most senior linesman. He's the ref. And the other linesman is working lines alone. So I, I'm not sure why they don't go to referee, but that's how they do it. So we've seen some wild things, but uh, hopefully we're getting closer to two referees in every game because I just think if nothing else, that's how you best develop everybody for the next level. But it would also, I think, alleviate the fans who sometimes get a little frustrated with the officiating. Tell us about Idaho and the here that they're on. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned it before. Uh, you know, Idaho is uh, number one in the league on offense. They're averaging 4.24 goals per game and defense allowing only uh, 2.1 goals per game. Their overall record right now, 18-3-1. So that is an impressive start. And they have played a legitimate schedule. So you can't look at it and say they've just been playing uh, powder puffs. They, they've just been off to a good start. And they're just balanced all the way through. We've talked about their goaltending before all the way up to their four. It's just an impressive looking team right now. And uh, what are the other news and notes and quotes in your holster, Justin? Well, I wanted to, to give a little shout out to uh, one of my favorite names in the league, which is Lord Anthony Griffin. He's split time between the ECHL and the Southern Professional League. He scored his first pro goal last weekend uh, with the Allen Americans. Uh, against Lord the Anthony. Reddy. Yes, Lord Anthony. Now, my second favorite might be Coltrane Wilson. Sounds like a jazz player playing hockey for the Indy Fuel, but there are always some awesome names. But uh, Lord Anthony had his first goal, so good to see that. And speaking of the Fuel, there's an interesting situation there. They've got a player by the name of Jan Mandat, and he is uh, an excellent player. He leads the team right now with 11 goals, but they are expected to lose him uh, in early January. He is expected to go back to the Czech Republic. Now, he was playing there a couple years ago and actually got a suspension for 
um, recreational drugs. And if you uh, listen to the reports on the internet, it was cocaine. So he had to serve a two year suspension uh, by all accounts is, you know, been a, a really good player, model player for them. I've heard you know, no negativity or anything like that, but he's making the decision to go back to the Czech Republic, which is, you know, can't blame him for that. But for the fuel, that's an interesting situation. I mentioned them as one of the teams that's off to just an incredible start. They've been leading or in second place, depending on the day, uh, the central division. So uh, to lose him, that we're going to have to see how the fuel kind of uh, adjusts to that. And then no, the other thing, oh, sorry, the right, other thing I did no, want, to, yeah. want to mention is the South Carolina Stingrays. Uh, home ice advantage has been big for them. They are 8-0-1 at the North Charleston Coliseum. And a reason personally that kind of jumps out at me is they face the team I cover, the Fort Wayne Comets, in the finals two years ago, the, the pandemic season. And they actually weren't able to play at the Coliseum during the finals because they were uh, filming The Righteous Gemstones, the uh, HBO show there. So they actually had to play at their practice facility which was a wild experience to see that. I mean, there's actually some obstructed view seats for, uh, you know, like the TV cameras and things like that. So it was a different situation. But it's good to see the uh, the Stingrays kind of having the success at home because we all feel that's where they should be playing all their games at the Coliseum. Absolutely. All right, let's send it over to your chat with Hunter. I'm going to go catch a flight and uh, you'll take it from here. Welcome back to the THN on the E podcast. This is Justin Cohn of the Fort Wayne Journal Gazette. We are without Jacob Stoller right now. He is catching a plane. So we, uh, his loss is our gain as we are here with Hunter Fegis of the Orlando Solar Bears, a guy I've gotten to watch uh, several times through the years. Hunter, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on this, on this podcast here. Yeah, well, we're, we're appreciative you could join us uh, Hunter is a uh, seventh-year pro. He's uh, played five seasons for the Solar Bears, uh, returned to them last year after a couple years in Europe where he played in Austria and Sweden. And a uh, big reason that we wanted to talk to you today is uh, your uh, successful battle against Hodgkin's lymphoma, which uh, you were diagnosed with, if I'm correct, earlier this year. And then in October, you were declared cancer-free. Um, first off, how are you feeling these days? I'm feeling good. I mean, it was uh, it was definitely a long journey. Um, it, it had its it, it's had its ups and downs. Uh, you know, you had your good days and your bad days. But I'm just I'm thankful I'm on the other side and can go back and living a happy and healthy lifestyle again. Can you tell us a little bit about how you you know first were diagnosed? Uh, I read a little bit about about it. I believe you were at the dinner table and, and noticed something strange. I mean, tell us how it started and, and how you went from there. Yeah. So, you know, like as an athlete, you're very in tune with your body. You know, you try to stay in, in great shape. And if it, if there's any like um, abnormalities, you know, you, you, you notice them. And for me, like um, I just, yeah, I was sitting at the dinner table and I, I was um, I was just talking with, you know, my girlfriend's parents and I just kind of reached over like this and I felt like a lump and I didn't think much of it because, you know, like I was living I was playing hockey, you know, just a few weeks ago and because it was, uh, the season had just ended and, and, uh, you know, not, it didn't hurt like nothing, nothing felt different, you know, uh, like, or anything I should, you know, go get checked out. And so, 
uh, it kind of just went on with it for a few days. And then, you know, my girlfriend, she's a nurse and she's like, you should probably go get that checked out. Like just, just to be safe, you know, like we have, um, you know, I kind of thought maybe it would be like a ganglion assist or ganglion assist or because my dad, you know, he's had a few of those. And so then I ended up going to get it checked out. And, um, I just remember, yeah, going into the doctor's office and, and, uh, him telling me, he's like, yeah, like, you know, you have, I mean, he, he had me do CT scans, you know, um, blood work, um, CT on my chest, uh, my neck and, um, my abdomen. And, and he sat me down and was like, Hey, like, you know, you have three masses in your chest. And I'm thinking, he, wow. Like he's like, and, and it looks like, it looks like cancer. I can't say a hundred, like, like a hundred percent that it is because, you know, we haven't done a biopsy on it. And I'm just like, I'm at a loss for words kind of, you know, because when a doctor tells you, you know, it looks like cancer, they don't just say that because that's a pretty serious term. And so when he did say, uh, when he did say it, I was like, Oh man, I definitely, I definitely have it. But now it just kind of comes down to what kind is it, you know? And, uh, I just remember it was a very brief and short, um, meeting with this, with the doctor at the time. And then I just, went out to my car and that's when it hit me. Like I just started bawling, like just not even knowing what, what kind of cancer it was, but just knowing that I'm going to have, I'm going to have to go through this fight. You you mentioned, you know, hockey players, you, you got to be in tune with your body. Uh, but there's also a flip side to that, which is hockey players tend to, you know, fight through pain, fight through ailments, fight through sickness. I mean, do you, how how did you know you know make sure i get checked out for this and don't just put it put it to the wayside well that i mean that's 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 a big thing uh that i i preach nowadays just you know if if there's any anything that you that that's not normal you know that you don't you don't feel a certain way uh that just doesn't make sense to you i would i would recommend going to get it checked out i mean if it wasn't for my girlfriend being in healthcare, like um, and knowing exactly what, what to do. Like, I probably, probably would have just went on with my everyday life. Like you said, like hockey players, they're kind of, uh, they're a different breed in terms of if, <laughs> if you're not, if you're not crawling or you're, you know, you're not in a lot of pain, you don't go get it checked out because, you know, um, it's just kind of that mentality, you know, you, it's a doggy dog world out there and you want to make sure you're, you're the one that's, you know, pulling the train kind of thing. I know that you had very early on set the goal to, you know, get back to playing hockey. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? How important was striving to get back to playing the game you love? Um, how important was that in your recovery and, and going through what I'm sure were some dark days with, with, you know, you tell me the treatments, you know, chemo and whatnot. So like, you know, last season it was, it was, it was tough. Um, it, it was tough. Like I came back from Europe and I didn't feel like myself. I just always remember talking, telling the doctor, like I, I went through kind of like a, I went through, like I had a concussion last season, but it, it all, honestly just, I didn't know why, but I just never felt like myself. I remember telling the, the doctor, like, I was just like, yeah, like, I don't feel, I don't feel normal. Um, I always feel tired. I don't know what's going on. Like, and he was probably getting tired of me telling him all this all over and over again. And, uh, 
And so, you know, at the end of at the end of every hockey season, you kind of, you know, you sit there, you reflect and you kind of realize like, okay, like, do I, do I give it another go? Do I keep going? Like, how much do you really love the game? Like, love the game, you know, because there comes a point where, you know, this, you can't play the child's game forever. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> your body either just can't handle it anymore or you kind of lose the passion for the game. And, um, and so then I ended up finding, finding this out in May um i had some other like you know family issues that went on uh that i had to sort out but then you know i was about a month in into treatment and i just i actually which we could touch on a little bit in a little or touch on next is i had see uh, these seizures after my second uh chemo treatment um they say that there's like a three percent chance of having a seizure from one of my chemo treatments and of course like i'm i'm that three percent you know and, and I just remember waking up in the hospital and, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, wow, like, you know, one, where am I? And two, it's like this, I could have been, that could have been it for me, you know, like, and just not knowing, you know, not knowing what happened, that could have been it for me. And, and, uh, I, I told myself at that point, I was like, you know, I don't want this to be the way my hockey career is decided. And so, I was like, I want to, I want to build a gym in my garage. I want this to be my motivation. I want to, um, I want this to help me get through my treatments. And so that's what I did. I built, I went on Facebook marketplace. I built a brand, like basically a brand new gym in my garage, squat rack, everything like dumbbells, um, like a bunch of bands and a little, you know, stick handling mat and stuff. And, and so, uh, and then I just got ice at a local rink and would just train. And that was, that's what, that's what got me through it. You know, it, uh, for me, it was just finding a goal. And I think anyone that goes through a similar experience is just finding, finding something that you love and you have a passion for that can, that can drive you each and every day, whether it's for five minutes or an hour, you know, just that that's, it's so huge because I mean, there's, there's some dark times. Uh, you know, you're sitting there on the couch, you're thinking to yourself, like, man, like, when is this going to be over? Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? But I mean, if you have something like this to look forward to, it's, it, it, you know, it pays dividend, it pays dividends. I, I've had a lot of, you know, members of my family deal with, with different types of cancer too. And, and sometimes, you, you know, you see those, those dark days and it's almost tough to get them off the couch. And I, I don't know. I mean, being a hockey player, an athlete, somebody who's competitive, um, used to putting yourself through some grueling pain. I mean, does that athlete mentality help you get through some of those dark days, like just to get some motivation and set some goals like you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, you never, you never want to, you know, lose, lose to anything. And so that was, that was my, my mentality kind of thing as an athlete, you know, you, you always want to, you always want to be the best the way you do. And, and for me, it was being the best at fighting this whole cancer thing. You know, I didn't know how long it was going to take or, or how difficult or what other roadblocks would come, come my way kind of thing. But, um, I just knew like for me personally, I never looked up my cancer online. And I think I would recommend that to anyone that goes through cancer is just never looking at, never looking it up and just having that mindset being like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get through this. This is, you know, this is just going to be a little bump in the road, no matter, no matter how long it takes. 
Has because it, because Doctor Google will tell you all the all the worst possible scenarios that come your way. Right. Has this kind of changed your overall outlook uh, on things? I mean, I, I just mean, of course it has, but you know, I, I feel I feel it, like. It's funny you say that because I, I honestly, I feel like I've been saying that a lot lately to various different people is um, it gives you a new perspective for sure on life. Like I've been, I don't know if you've um, heard my, my story about when I was younger as well, but um, I feel like every different little incident that happens in your life kind of shapes and molds you into uh, the person you are today. And this kid, this gives me, like overcoming cancer has given me a new, new perspective on life. Like things that like, especially in hockey and, but everyday life too, just things that mattered that I thought were like big things. And in retrospect, it's actually like very small. Right. And yeah. for me, it's like, I had the biggest fight of my life going through cancer and like, you know, I'm just fortunate enough to be able to play hockey again and have this opportunity to do it because I know there's, um, you know, there's people that probably would dream to be in the situation that I am. And so I'm just fortunate enough to be, yeah, like where I'm at today. So speaking of hockey, you're, you're working your way back to, to hopefully get back into the Orlando lineup soon. Um, now that you're back on the ice practicing with the guys, I mean, are, are you the same guy? Are you the same player? Are you the same scare? I mean, your body has gone through, you know, such a rigorous thing here. It's got to feel different when you're back out there. Yeah. I mean, I do, I, I feel like, like a 50 year old man sometimes when I'm, you know, <laughs> trying to warm up or even after, after skates. But, but I think what, what was, I, I would say I'm, I'm pretty much the same player for the most part. I mean, I still, I still got, I still can move the same way as I could before. And I still have a lot of the same skills and maybe if not better, because I was able, I was just that much more, more motivated and that much more hungry when I was going through my treatments. Um, to, to train. So I was in my garage, like doing stick handling and, and, you know, just getting, making sure my body was in tune. And, but it's funny because if I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have done this, if I wouldn't have built the gym and do, and we're skating and stuff like that, yeah, I probably wouldn't be um, feeling as good as I am now. And I probably wouldn't be the, uh, probably my skills probably wouldn't be as sharp. And I, yeah, I don't, um, I pay a lot of um, tribute to me doing what I did throughout my treatment. And that helps me to, because I think, um, you know, for all the listeners here today, I think my first game is probably going to be before Christmas. Okay, great. Before so, Christmas. And I wouldn't say it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a road game. So. Yeah. So Orlando's not off to the best start record wise. Uh, I believe six, 10 and five. Has that been tough for you to watch or are you just eager to get out there and, and try and write that ship a little bit? What's the mentality from a hockey perspective there? Well, I'm like you said, I'm uh, hockey or athletes are very competitive. Right. And so like for me, you know, I'm just very fortunate to be able to play and 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 have this opportunity to potentially crack the lineup again. And I want to get out there and help the team any way I can. And hopefully we can, um, you know, start and uh, make sure things are going in the right direction and going into the new year, we can have a great, great rest of the season. I know it's important to you for people to, to sort of hear your story and, and take some lessons away from it, including, you know, like you said, paying attention to your own body. What's, what's the best way people can kind of follow you. And, and if there's any announcements uh, in the future, I mean, social media, what's the best way for people to kind of keep, uh, keep tabs on how you're doing? 
so right here on uh you'll see my name at the bottom of the screen i have uh, that's my twitter handle and then that's my instagram handle um i'm gonna have like updates in terms of when i'm gonna be playing on that and then um as well as uh my recent um found like i, I want to create a foundation and uh you know for people uh, so that i can help people with that are going through the same experience as i am or have had went through um i also want uh, just to raise awareness for men's health and you know hodgkin's lymphoma for those uh, just listening audio it's at hunter f-e-j-e-s that's Hunter F E J E S. So absolutely give Hunter a follow. And uh, Hunter, it's it's great to see that you're doing so well. Uh, uh, I really appreciate you coming. Uh, anything else you you want to share? I mean, just just in terms of how you're doing, or any other things that you feel uh, you know people going through this need to kind of keep tabs on. Um, no, I just um, I just thank everyone that's here listening and uh, following along, and uh, it's been a it's been quite the, quite the journey. And, you know, 2022 is had definitely had its ups and downs for me, but uh, I'm just thankful to have the support and um, within the hockey world from everyone. Awesome. Well, that's Hunter Fegis of the Orlando solar bears. We appreciate you joining us on the THN on the E podcast for all you listeners. We hope you will subscribe at the hockeynews.com and also make sure that you come back next week for our next episode. And, Hunter, we really appreciate it, and we will see you all next week. Thank you for having me.